What a great time to be a Giant, be a fan of the Giants. Like we have something going here. We're building something special, and you know you can see it from the outside and inside. It's even more beautiful. Reflecting on everything that got me here, just to see that uniform, and you know I, I watched. That's the team I watched the most growing up. Cause my dad was a Giants fan. So once a Giant, always a Giant. For me, it's only a Giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by NorthJersey.com and The Record. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and it is Thursday, Dolphins Week. Giants are 1-3, and three, and we've got off-the-field stuff, locker room questions, standings questions, considering the Giants now go on the road for two games against two of the top contenders in the AFC Miami this weekend, Buffalo next weekend, another primetime game. We know how you Giants fans love those primetime games, and your team always seems to respond at night. Okay, that's the end of the sarcasm. Let's kick it in this week. Uh, Going against the Dolphins down in Miami, it will not be an easy game. Uh, And part of that, or most of that, comes from the idea that this team is going to have to match up the top offense in the NFL, at least top scoring. Two weeks ago, 70%, uh, 70 points. Uh, Tua at quarterback, obviously, Brian Dable knows him well. Uh, went to him back in the national championship game when he was a freshman as the OC at Alabama. Uh, Xavier McKinney knows Tua well. Uh, Jalen Waddell. Uh, and this offense will attack the Giants unlike any offense has so far this season with the speed it has. Uh, so I got a chance to talk to Dory Jackson one-on-one on Wednesday. Got that interview for you. But before we play it, I wanted to make sure uh, that you understood the context. We were in the locker room, and I don't know if you have – You know, your cell phones with you yesterday. Obviously, you do. All of a sudden, the emergency alert system started going crazy on phones everywhere. They were testing it out. And it actually happened on my phone as well as I was interviewing Adori. So if there's a little bit of a break in the interview, that's what happened. We had to stop and then restart uh, a little bit. So if you get that in the interview with Adori, uh, that's what happened. Uh, but before I get to that interview, I wanted to make sure that I address the Evan Neal story. Uh, I tweeted about it on Wednesday night, and then Evan Neal issued an apology. The Giants are saying that he's very remorseful and regretful. We'll get a chance, I'm sure, to talk to Evan in the locker room at some point. But here's the deal. You don't attack the fans. No matter how frustrated you are, no matter how uh, comfortable you are in an interview setting, once you start venting your frustration at fans, that's not going to work in any market, let alone the Big Apple. So that was the first mistake by a 22-year-old player uh, who's under a lot of pressure. And yes, he's compensated financially and the status of being an NFL player, uh, but he's also human. So that was one thing. Number two, obviously the comments regarding uh, flipping burgers, uh, that's just not where you want to go. You don't want to make comments about that. It comes off 
as uh, very pompous. And I've gotten a chance to know Evan Neal. You listen to the show. You follow my coverage. I've gotten a chance to be with Evan one-on-one in several interview situations. And, you know, he's a good kid. You know, I know a lot of people are making comparisons to Eric Flowers and his confrontation that he had with a reporter early on in his career. Uh, This was not that. Now, again, this is a one-on-one interview situation, so I can't speak to the specifics. Uh, And, you know, he said what he said. There was no denying that he said what he said, and he felt the need to apologize for that. Now, I was not going to tell Evan Neal that he needed to apologize because to me, you want the apology to be genuine. You don't need someone just to apologize for the sake of apologizing. If I were a fan and I felt attacked or offended because I spend all my money on Giants tickets and now I have one of the players who's not performing well, just giving a fake apology, uh, that's really not going to do anything. So I've talked to as many fans as I could over the last 12, 13 hours since the story broke. I've seen all the reactions on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. Um, And look, I can appreciate where all fans are coming from. You know, to me, some of the reaction, some from fans, but also some from the media, has been over the top. Uh, You know, you can express your disappointment and disgust and displeasure with Evan Neal. Uh, but to attack him personally, you're no, but no better than what he may have done yesterday or he was perceived to have done yesterday. So the personal attacks, what are we doing here? As a business that we're a part of, that I'm a part of in the media, talk radio, uh, tweeting, social media, uh, it's it, we lose our way sometimes. So What I will say is I don't believe that this is a sign of a locker room that's in disarray. I think this is one player who's under an enormous amount of pressure who admitted that last year he let the outside noise get to him. He's got to be a little bit more mentally tougher and more aware that if you truly believe that the fans and the noise and the criticism doesn't bother you, uh, then don't let it bother you. That Just try to block it out as best as you can. Now, what we can't speak to, and I, I thought about this last night, is I can't imagine being a professional athlete nowadays if you're on social media and the messages that you probably get privately. Um, you know, I can only speak to what I get as a reporter. And some of the insults and when they attack you personally, uh, I think it's kind of... Um, you know, it's unfair, but it's kind of unspoken. You know, I think we'd all be pretty taken aback if players made the things that are sent to them publicly, uh, privately, if they made them public. Things sent to them privately and they made them public. Now, we all saw what happened with Kadarius Tony in Kansas City earlier this year with Giants fans when Giants fans were making private messages that he sent to them public and the reaction, and it was terrible. Um, I have a feeling that Evan Neal hears a lot more stuff than what we think we that we see him take. Um, but again, no excuse for what he said. Uh, he's apologized. If you were offended, it is your choice as to whether or not you take that apology at face value. Uh, and the reality is the only way Evan Neal can move past this is to play better on the field. 
If he plays better, people will forget. Some people won't, but most people will forget uh, that he had a lapse in judgment. My words, not his, uh, on Wednesday and made his comments about fans. But I'm never going to tell a fan that shouldn't be offended by something uh, if, if a player says something like that. You know, you, you pour your passion into this team. I, I've never seen a sign, I haven't heard anything in the building that Evan Neal is a loafer or doesn't take this seriously. I've actually heard that Evan Neal takes this too seriously at times, that he's too hard on himself. Uh, and that may not come out the way it needed to yesterday, um, but uh, he'll have an opportunity now to move forward. Uh, I don't believe there'll be any discipline. If there is, it's in-house. Uh, Brian Dable said he met with Evan Neal, and the details of their conversation will remain private. Uh, reality is Giants don't have enough bodies up front in order to be able to start punishing Evan Neal this week and taking playing time away from him. Uh, And I don't know if we're at that situation, but again, that's not my call. Uh, So we'll see how Neal... Neal already had the microscope on him, and people were zooming in watching him every week. That comes with being the seventh overall pick in last year's draft. Uh, So now he's put even more pressure on himself uh, to get things right. Uh, We'll see if that happens down in Miami. couple injury things. Uh, Andrew Thomas will not play. Joshua Azuto will be at left tackle this week. I think you'll get Mark Glowinski at left guard. I think Marcus McKeithen will be at right guard. Neil will be at right tackle, and Ben Bredesen will be at center. I don't think we're going to see John Michael Schmitz. I think the Giants will give him at least a week with the shoulder injury uh, to see where he's at. Uh, I don't see him in any contact drills whatsoever. He's working on the side, and uh, I don't think Shane Lemieux uh, will be anywhere near. Uh, Old friend Justin Pugh is back, uh, but he's mostly acclimating himself, being back on the practice field for the first time since tearing his ACL last October. So it's going to be a couple weeks before we see Justin Pugh uh, having an opportunity to get elevated from the practice squad and maybe having a role on this offensive line. So that's where we're at with the Evan Neal stuff. Uh, now let's get to Dory Jackson. I talked to Dory about what the speed of Miami does to cornerbacks. Talked to Tay Banks about that. Uh, and he's eager for an opportunity. He said he's not afraid of speed, not afraid of physicality. Uh, got duped a little bit by DK Metcalf for that touchdown last week. Uh, he admitted to that. But I wanted you to hear the Adori interview. You know, how do you prepare for it? How do you prepare for the speed and what Miami likes to do pre-snap, a lot of motion, uh, what they're trying to do? Is it disguise? Is it eye candy? Or is it purposeful? Well, here's my interview with Adori, and then we'll get back and wrap up today's show. Coach Rowley said last week. Coach who? Jerome. Uh-huh. He said that basically when you're going week to week in this league, it's either you know you've got a blueprint for an a defense, an offense that just plays straight up, similar to what Seattle does, and then you have to basically forget all that when you go up against the next team 
which is Miami, who's right. going to be bells and whistles and, and everything like that. As a DB who's played a lot of reps in this league, how big of a challenge is that to do week to week? Um, man, I feel like this is why we do it. This is why we're here. I don't want to say I, I don't look at it as a as a challenge. I think that's just life. I think that's life in general. You know what I mean? Like. Every day is going to be a new opportunity. It's going to be how you can adjust to it. Obviously, you're going to have your routine, which is your routine may be coming in early, sorry, um, lifting, um, training room, cold tub, hot tub, getting the pool, recovery. That's the routine. But the obstacles is you don't know what's going to happen at work. Like, I can be like, okay, I'm guarding this guy. Okay, he can reach me inside, outside. I can't predict. I can't tell you what he's gonna do. Now it's like, all right, that's a different. That's a different change. So getting a new play, uh, a new play call, a new scheme, a new system. I feel like that's more easier, in my opinion, because like this is what I do. This is my job. This is my livelihood. And it's important to me, so I to make sure I understand it and, and get it done. And that's gonna be any job. Let's say you got a project. Once that project is over, now you're on to the next one. And that's like, okay, I gotta throw not throw everything out. Just put that to the side because it might be another team, uh, the same tree, um, the player might be the same, he might go to another team, like, oh, I, I, I covered him, this is what he like to do, boom, okay, this is the tree under, boom, okay, so, I mean, if this is the coach, how do you use that player, this is going to be his number one, you <laughs> might use him similar to this, okay, boom, boom, so, I feel like, and that that's aspect, you, you're, you're, that's your experience, exactly. it's not easy for, for other guys. <laughs> Or it might be different for a guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring it to, to the rookies. Right. You, you know, Tay last week, Tay's yeah. preparing. He knows his assignment. It's basically digging mm-hmm. on Metcalf. Right. He knows he, how he has to play. Right. Against this kind of offense this week, you've got to basically study every one of their receivers, every right. one of their backs. Right. Right. So for you, yeah. it's, it's a library full of things. Right. How do you get everybody to kind of use that library? Um, just asking the guys around you, you know, asking, you know, the coaches that, that played against them or coach did not play against them, coached against them or former players that played against them or another aspect, just watching the film, having different techniques. Don't, not overload yourself with too much film. You can make start off. Let me just go off releases. Okay. He like to do this release. This is go-to release. Dang, he like to do this release too. This is a switch up. And then boom. Just look at a couple. Then go to the next guy, next guy, next guy. And it's like, okay, let me just start here. Let me get that. All right, I know when this release happened, this might happen. Or this might happen. Uh, he stemmed me this way. This might happen. This, you know, you just got to take little things. Don't overload yourself. Just take one or two pointers and let you just play fast. I know you are a guy who has never been intimidated by speed. But do they possess the kind of speed that makes you dig in just a little bit more? Um, they got the type of speed where... You know, they got that 4x1 uh, Olympic team. I'm going to say B team because I'm not going to disrespect as a track runner. I'm not going to not discredit them. They have Olympic speed. Well, I can't get them the Olympic A team. But they, they own that. They they competing for it. All right, if these the four that's running, they can be the two alternates type. You know what I mean? But they have more than that. But, um, yeah, they have tremendous speed, man. Uh, obviously, some of those guys are were track runners. I mean, obviously. Um, you just don't, and it's not that fast for no reason. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they definitely have speed on top of speed over there. I would imagine that it is not difficult to get the attention of everybody in your room this week about what they can do offensively at the receiver position. Um, yeah, and that goes back to, like you're saying, uh, how do you guys transition and prep? Like, I done played against Tyreek on the scene. Um, we got, I think Zay was there at Bama with Water. Um, Flock probably had to play against him. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like you got different guys that might not play them against them in the league, but different guys that know seeing Rome probably coach getting Bobby McCain was in Washington played against them last year. Um, 
you know, we just got different guys who play with them. Um, so I think that's that, that's how you get it from the aspect. Just asking questions. How did you play this? Why did you play like that? Okay, so I'm thinking about doing this. What you think about this? It's just asking different questions. And in the day, you got to figure out what tool works for you. Last thing would be discipline. I would imagine that word's probably been spoken many, mm-hmm. many times because of what they do mm-hmm. pre-snap. What is the most important thing from your position? And that is it eye discipline? Is it knowing your route and making sure you stick with what you got? I think the biggest thing would be doing your job, understanding what your job is and knowing what the areas around you are doing, but you just honing on doing your job, knowing where your help is, knowing where your strengths are, and playing to those, and understanding that um, that's the discipline part that I see. Knowing your job, um, doing your job, aligning to execute, and having fun. So you discipline like that, uh, good things can happen. Thanks, man. Appreciate left. it. Yes, Appreciate it. Thanks to Dory Jackson for joining me in the locker room. Appreciate his one-on-one. And as we kind of touched on, Jerome Henderson, the Giants defensive backs coach, told me last week that when you deal with offenses in this league now, it's a week-to-week thing from game plan to game plan. And we all know that. But he said you have a blueprint for mostly the traditional NFL offense. And Seattle was that. You know, they run two and three wide receiver sets. You know, double tight ends. They want to run the ball. So you can kind of play straight up, as the Giants did last week. Dory Jackson and Tay Banks on the outside. Uh, if they went to, to nickel, they put Cordell's flot in the slot. Uh, I know a lot of people are making a big deal out of Trey Hawkins not getting a, a snap. And obviously it's important. But I told you, I don't believe that that was a punishment off of uh, the 49ers game. I think that was really more of a matchup situation. The Giants wanted a Dory on the outside. They knew they needed solid tackling at the corner spot. That's not a strength of Hawkins right now. You could say what you want about his desire, uh, but you know he's just not a great tackler at this point uh, in the game. And he'll mature and he'll hopefully grow into that from a Giants perspective. Uh, but they are not going to put a Dory outside and then put Hawkins in the slot. Hawkins is not an option in the slot. So that's why Cordell Flott was on the field. They wanted to keep Adoree on the outside. They really matched up with Tay Banks and DK Metcalf and Adoree Jackson and Tyler Lockett. Uh, only when Jackson Smith and the Jigma came onto the field did they use uh, Cordell Flott in the nickel. So this week I think you're going to see more DBs on the field. Uh, obviously, they have to worry about the Miami running game with Raheem Mostert and Davon A. Shane. Uh, I think it's you know imperative that they worry about the running game, but it's the speed of the receivers that, that this team has to be wary of. Uh, so I think you'll end up seeing that. Uh, and that blueprint can get scrapped going into a week like this. They've got to basically build everything from scratch start to finish this week to prepare for Miami and what they like to do. Uh, We'll have our game day podcast on Sunday morning, so make sure you check that out. Uh, At this point, I do think Saquon Barkley will play this weekend. Uh, I think it's questionable, uh, and I think they'll probably take it up to game time, but I do think that Barkley will have a pregame workout, uh, and he'll give it a shot. Uh, big thing is Daniel Jones and this offensive line need to play better this week. 
They need to get Waller more involved. That has to do with Daniel Bellinger. If Bellinger can play, then Waller can play more of a wide receiver role in their certain packages. If Waller, do, if Bellinger does not play, what happened last week is that Waller had to fill in a lot of the inline stuff because they only had two tight ends active. Uh, so they had to put a wide receiver in Waller's spot and put Waller in Bellinger's spot. You got to hope that the Giants can plan ahead this week. Maybe Tyree Jackson uh, gets an elevation this week at practice squad to give them a little coverage with Lawrence Cager and Daniel Bellinger uh, behind Darren Waller. Allows you to do more with Waller. And look, this is going to be another test for Brian Dable and this coaching staff. You have to have this team ready to play. Get down there, compete. And see what you got. It's not going to be easy, uh, but if you can stay close to Miami, you never know what can happen in crazy games in this league. Uh, you got to be, you got to be competitive. You know, forget about the score. Be competitive. Have a little pride. Take it personally. And when I say personally, I don't mean cheap shots after the whistle. Which the Giants had a couple of those on Monday night. You know, have some pride in your own locker room. Look at each other in a mirror. Be be smart, be constructive, and try to get out there and turn this season around. It's not going to be easy. You've dug yourselves a hole, and I'm not sure anybody expects them to go down there and beat Miami, let alone stay within a couple touchdowns with what this offense in Miami did two weeks ago. So that's where we're at. Again, Make sure you look for our po- our game day podcast over the weekend. If I can get it done Saturday night, if I have information, I'll get it out there on Saturday night. So at least you have it Saturday and Sunday before a 1 o'clock game in Miami. I will be down there. Obviously, we'll have everything you need to know on NorthJersey.com, and then we'll have our, pod- our post-game podcast from Hard Rock Stadium. So thanks for listening today. As always, we are all in, and we appreciate you being all in. Enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you this weekend from South Florida.